Thank you, Noah, and thanks for navigating hard conversations um, with us. It's something I always appreciate about, High Par about Park is that it's not something that we steer away from or we avoid, but we're willing to go into the hard conversations, go into people's hard lives and not just skip over the stuff and talk about the stuff that we want to talk about, which is one of the reasons why we're talking about Psalm 19. So if you have a Bible, go ahead, or an app, or a tablet, or whatever you're using, feel free to, you can get started by jumping open to Psalm 19, is where we'll be today. Noah already gave me the heads up that this is his favorite psalm, and so uh, that puts a more challenge on myself, because he's already probably done the sermon in his head. Uh, if you don't have a, a Bible, you can. We do have Bibles right over there that you're more than welcome to grab. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, I want to encourage you. We're actually going to talk about this, about the value of God's Word today. So please take the Bible. It's yours to keep. It's the reason why we're here is, uh, is to be able to share in God's Word. And so we're excited to um, share that with you. That's our gift for you. Feel free to take it if you don't have one at home. Psalm 19 is an amazing psalm, and I am excited to dive into it with you. Not only is it one of Noah's favorites, but actually a very popular uh, Christian theologian, C.S. Lewis, once described Psalm 19 as, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So C.S. Lewis, it was one of his favorites, Noah's favorites. It's a really good psalm, and, and we're going to find out why, um, just because it really dives into um, God and just how he speaks to us. So I'm excited for that. So we're going to read the psalm together in its entirety. We're going to pray, and then we'll dive into our message for today. Let's read Psalm 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuits to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you so much that you are our redeemer, that you are our rock, that we can speak to you, that you hear us, and that you're present now. God, I I just say a prayer over this psalm. God, may you speak to us now as this... Uh, as this author declares your glory and talks about how you're speaking out and you're speaking to us, God, may, may we be willing to listen. God, open up our hearts. Put us in the right posture to be able to receive the message that you have today. God, may it be about you. May it be your word speaking in your glory. May it not be about us. May everything else go to the side. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. How do we know God? How is it that we interact and even begin to understand a being that is described as indescribable? If he truly is more than we can fathom, how do we possibly get to know who he is and what he's like? This is the question that the psalmist looks to answer today. We will dive into the author's journey, and this is actually David who wrote this, and we're going to dive in with him and seeing how God reveals himself through some general revelation. I know that's a big term. We're going to get into that. Uh, Experiencing God through special revelation, and then finally reflecting upon the implications of what it's like to experience God firsthand. So if you haven't met me, my name's Thomas Pakovitz. As Noah said, uh, I'm an elder here at Hyde Park. My wife, Amanda, and I, we've been here in Chicago for over 10 years, and we have two wonderful daughters that are downstairs. Now, for those of you who haven't gotten the chance to meet me and haven't gotten the chance to meet Amanda, here's, here's a picture of Amanda, beautiful, my wonderful wife, that's right. Sorry, that's right. She does have a fan club, so no, it's okay. And... Uh, I, you know, when I'm thinking through this message, I was like, you know what, how is it that you get to know somebody if you've never talked to them? So let's say, for example, Amanda. The, Amanda's a great example. If you haven't gotten a chance to spend time with her or get to know her, how is it that you would get to know her? How is it that you could get to understand her and get to see her character? Well, I think one of the best ways to do that is by experiencing our two lovely daughters. So here's a wonderful picture of our daughters. That's Abigail and Kyla. And I think from experiencing our girls, you may get to know a lot about their mom. For, for example, when one of our daughters chooses to wear her Cubs hat, that usually isn't an indication of the fandom of a five-year-old, but usually it's the indication of the fandom of the father or the mother of the five-year-old. If you've been around our daughters for more than 10 minutes, you would probably hear them break into song randomly or go into some kind of dance move. Yesterday, it was for hours, the Macarena move that their mother taught them, all right? This would be an accurate indication that their mom loves music, has a passion to sing, and absolutely loves sharing that with her daughters. And when you see one of our daughters rush to one of their friends who's crying in daycare, or they see their friend in pain and tries to comfort them, you'll realize that that Amanda also has an amazingly empathetic and caring personality, which has been inherited by her daughters. Now, with all of this, you can determine quite a bit about Amanda without directly interacting with her. Um, But that's with, with what she was invested in and what she has created within 
her daughters. Now, this isn't a perfect metaphor. I don't want to be like out front that our daughters are perfect carbon copies of their moms or in, in any ways. They have their own personalities and behaviors that are different from their mom. But you can tell a lot about their mom by looking at them. And, and the psalm points to a similar experience that we have with God. And from an academic standpoint, we call this general revelation. Uh, just to give you a quick definition from one of the commentaries that I read is that general revelation is the divine disclosure to all persons at all times and all places by which humans come to know that God is and what he is like. So to put that in plain man's terms, this means that God is making himself known to everyone through general matters. That's why it's general revelation, the revealing of God generally. And our psalm specifically talks about this in God revealing himself through his creation. Let's read again the first six verses of this psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So in this first section, we see David here showing the beauty of creation and how it points to this amazing designer. Natural general revelation is without words and is universal. It's not restricted by divisions of people, by cultures, or by languages. Everyone gets the opportunity to experience God throughout issues like creation. I'm sure we've all had this experience at some point in nature whether this is watching a sunrise, seeing the majesty of a mountain, or seeing the powers of the waves upon the beach. God's fingerprints are all over creation. You know, I can just imagine as David is sitting there and just looking up to the sky and saying, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. You can kind of follow David as he's looking through the sky, just probably laying on his back in a field, looking at it, and his eyes drift from the sky and goes to the sun. And it says, it's rising from the ends of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Looking to the sky and looking at creation may not tell you the whole story of God, but it does give enough evidence to give everyone to be able to understand that there is a God and that he is powerful. We see this even in the New Testament with Paul's writing in Romans chapter 1. Romans 1.20 says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. From this, Paul makes it clear that there is enough evidence of God within creation that those who don't know God should be able to see his handiwork and determine his greatness. This indicates that science and 
in medical fields is not something that we should be scared of or concerned of, but it's something we should be diving into and being excited to learn more about what God has put together and woven in the fabric of our world. The more we study creation, the more we realize how intricate it is and how beautiful its designer truly is to where we can stand up and say, man, what a great God. Now, I want to pause really quickly before we continue to move on to recognize that we're talking about creation, we're talking about nature, and we're doing it in the middle of the city of Chicago. Unlike the author who most likely lived in a rural agricultural area, we are surrounded by buildings, skyscrapers, and concrete. Instead of stars at night, we see the streetlights across our city. And so I think for us as urbanites, the concept of getting in touch with God through creation is a little uh, more difficult. But although it's more difficult, it isn't impossible. And I just want to challenge you to just say, well, just because we live in the city doesn't excuse us from not experiencing God through general revelation. Here in the city of Chicago, there are over 580 parks that accumulate over 8,800 acres of land which can be an opportunity to some to see and get to that level of nature. Although this probably isn't a daily opportunity for everyone, there is plenty of state parks, beaches, and trails around Chicagoland that can give you an opportunity to connect with God. The biggest difference is, is between where we live and where others around the world is, is that we have to be intentional about spending our time with God in nature. So that's my challenge is, are you being intentional with your time? Maybe take a t moment to go for a walk and actually not bring your headphones with you. Put your phone in your pocket and look out and see the world around you. Take in God's goodness and his creation. Take those opportunities that you have to sit back and experience that fellowship with your loving God. As David continues, we see that God doesn't leave it only to creation, but God speaks. God graces us not just with coming to our conclusions through creation, but God has his word, his inspired scriptures, which are written down for us to read and to learn from. So let's go ahead, let's continue in our psalm, and let's read the second section here, starting in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So here we see David dive into this beautiful prose of God's word. Notice how the author, he gives six different titles of God's written word, along with six characteristics and six results of those characteristics within God's word. I actually have a big graph up here for all of you that are like me and like to see it all broken down. We're not big poetry guys, so we kind of have to have it 
more, more scientifically put together. I'd like us to kind of take a quick moment and dive through some of these characters and some of these pro, um, products of God's word that we see. So what is God's word? Well, first of all, we see that God's word is perfect. God's word is perfect. Perfect in that there is nothing more that needs to be added. Unlike other documents that needs amendments, modifications, needs drafting and editing, God's word needs no resolutions. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandments of the Lord is pure. Unlike our beloved Lake Michigan water that has to go through a very intense purification process before it becomes drinkable for any of us, the word of God is drinkable straight from the source. There's no need for purification as it is already 100% pure from God. That follows along with the next one. The fear of the Lord is clean. You don't have to make God's word presentable before it's coming to you or coming and being shared with others. It is clean in and of itself. And last but not least, the rules of the Lord are true. You know, in our postmodern culture where truth is something relative, describing God's word as truth is hard to define. But I think for our purpose, we may look at it as we do perhaps in a direction. On a map, there's only one true north. And without having that direction of what is true north, everything else can get lost. But here we don't have to worry about that because there is one truth and it can be re revealed and found within God's word. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. That is the characteristics of God's word here. Pretty powerful when you break them down and really determine what those implications could possibly be. So let's take a look at what we see are the products. What are the benefits that we get if we dive into God's word when it is sure, perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true? What can that produce within us and within others as well? So God's word, it produces the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul is the first one. Have you ever felt the weight of exhaustion before? I know I have. Maybe you've run a race before, whether it's one of you guys are crazy to do the marathons or the mini marathons or do a triathlon. Maybe you're exhausted emotionally after having that really difficult conversation with a friend or a loved one. I know for me, my emotional capacity is very small, so I get exhausted very quickly when I have those conversations. Maybe professionally, you just feel so tired and exhausted because you feel like your job is just draining your soul. Coming to God's word is like water to your soul, providing nourishment and refreshment. And as described earlier, this water is pure and clean. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's not something that requires a college degree for us to be able to understand, but it's actually when we choose to allow God's word to speak that we get to garner his wisdom so that way our decisions are no longer based on our decisions and our knowledge and our wisdom, but it's based on God's. I think one of the best examples of this we see in the New Testament with two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, as they, after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and then ascension, Peter and John 
are sharing God's word to the masses and going out. And in Acts chapter 4, they actually get arrested for proclaiming Jesus as Messiah and for healing a lame man. And as they are in a crowd amongst the intellectually religious elite, the, those who have had formal education, Peter and John are just killing them with knowledge and wisdom and understanding that's well beyond their own comprehension. And these intellectuals are just left dumbfounded. And Acts 4.13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that it wasn't their individual intelligence that they were dealing with, but it was the wisdom of God. That's the power of being in God's word. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Have you ever had that experience where you see rejoicing in the heart from diving into God's word? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You know, in darkness, we stumble, we trip over items, we step on Legos, we run into walls. But when the light comes, we can see clearly what we couldn't before. In our lives, uh, unfortunately, there's so many times where we have this inherent assumption that we get to see the whole landscape immediately. So we base our judgments and conclusions already on what our perspective is, only to find ourselves terribly wrong because there's other parts of the information or a situation that we were unaware of, that we became aware of, and we made ourselves look foolish. Having God and having the word of the Lord enlightens us to give us a greater perspective of the real world that's around us. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You know, we don't know the exact date. There's no time stamp on this psalm. But to give, if it's in the life of David, it probably happened around 3,000 years ago. That's a very long time. You know, I try and get my daughters to watch a TV show that I was a fan of in the 90s, and they can't take it. But yet we're spending 30 minutes on a Sunday diving into a piece of art that's over 3,000 years old. The concepts and the benefits are as true today as they were then. And guess what? In 3,000 years, when all of us are dead and gone, when the chances of Park Community Church probably is no longer here, perhaps even the city of Chicago probably won't be here in 3,000 years, when everything that we know has passed away in something new, these concepts, this word is still going to endure. It is here and it is eternal. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It is in a complete package in and of itself. So revives the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever, and altogether righteous. As we can see, God's word is filled with unbelievable benefits to the individual who is willing to dive into it. It is transformative, and it changes the life of the person who is willing to read it. The question is, are we willing to be transformed? Are we willing to allow God's word to open up and change our lives? One of my favorite kid movies to watch with my girls is Kung Fu Panda. It's, in fact, one that we watched within this past week. It's a story about a rather large panda, Poe, being what appears to be accidentally selected to be this prophetic warrior 
So he is thrust into learning Kung Fu in order to defeat his enemy. And he is given what is supposed to be the ultimate tool for him to conquer his enemy, the dragon scroll. Supposedly, once read, he will become this unstoppable dragon warrior. As he reads it, he will have unlimited power. Now, not to spoil a 14-year-old movie, I'm really sorry, it's going to happen, so spoilers, cover your ears if you really want to go back and watch the cartoon Kung Fu Panda. But when he receives the dragon scroll, there's actually nothing in it. He has to try and figure out the solution for himself. And even though the scroll was meant and promised to give him this unlimited power, nothing changed between the scroll, him having the scroll and not having it. Yet for us, in God's word, we find not an empty scroll, but a living word that brings life to us. Our word is not empty, but it is powerful. It has wisdom and knowledge for us if we're choosing to dive into it and choosing for it to speak to us and allow us to be changed. I know for me, there are times and there are seasons where reading God's word doesn't feel like reviving the soul. I know for some of you, you, may, you probably have had that same experience as well. You don't feel the connection with God that we hear about in the promises here in this psalm. Sometimes we can even just struggle just to stay awake as we're reading it. I would encourage you to try and take a moment and look at it with the right perspective. God is speaking to you, and are you asking for him to open up your heart to him? Although it can be read anywhere and God can move, might I encourage you to take a moment and just say a prayer before you start diving into God's word. Get your heart in the right location to be able to receive perhaps the, the knowledge and wisdom that God has for you that day. You know, if it's been a while and you're just wanting to get started, I think a great thing to do perhaps would be to continue to dive into Psalms itself as we're doing it over this entire summer. Psalms is a great, a great um, book because it gives us a real conversation of people talking to God and God talking to us. It is a living conversation that we get to see where emotions take place, where you're going to see some Psalms where people are angry and upset at God. There are some Psalms where he's joyful and praising. There are some Psalms where you can weep along with them. What a great opportunity for you to kind of dive into that conversation with God about what your life is like, what you're going through, and the good things and the bad things that you're experiencing. And they're small and bite-sized, so it makes it a little bit more attainable to give us that opportunity to see our lives and our souls restored. When we choose to see it, God is speaking to us. He speaks to us through his creation, when we look at nature, at the sky, and at life. But he seeks even more to us when, we reveal, when he reveals his character through Scripture, revealing to us who he is and knowing in him completely we can have transformed lives. Amen? Amen. Now, I know many of you are thinking, we see God in creation, we see in God's word. This is great. I feel good. Thomas did it in about 25 minutes. We should have him talk more often, right? Unfortunately, the psalm doesn't end there. If we actually cut off the rest of the last three verses, this is actually a perfectly complete psalm in and of itself. It is a beautiful pro, uh, w- 
song of worship and praise because it's all about praising God through creation and through his word and the amazing benefits we get. We could go to bed and just feel good about ourselves. But the author doesn't stop, stop there. David continues in the last three verses on a reflection of what are the implications of this. If we experience God through nature, if we experience God when we dive into God's word, what are the implications for our lives? What is it that he experiences? Why don't you read those last three verses with me? Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Leave them not to having dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Notice how David, when he experiences God in this way, is brought to an unbelievable place of being in need of repentance and recognition of his own faults and sins. I'm going to need some participation here. I'm going to do an illustration here. You have to participate because if you don't, it's going to go horrible for me. So do it with me. I brought some visual assistance here, okay? So this is a simple game. I'm going to pull out. Uh, I've, got, I've got some clothing here. I'm going to pull it out, and I'm going to need your guys' help in determining the color, okay? Very simple. All right, so here's first one. Can you guys tell me what color is this shirt? White. You're going to say white. That's what you're going to say. See, you guys ruined it already. All right, second one. What shirt, what color is this? That's right. This is a new shirt for me. This is my undershirts, right? This is new. If you said white this first time, Bridgeport, they did it. They did it this morning. This was white this morning. So keep it with us. This was white this morning. When it looked that way, you're thinking, man, Thomas needs new shirts. You're right. I do need new shirts. This looks really bad. When it's by itself, it doesn't look so bad. But when you get a brand new white shirt up against it, you get to notice, man, Thomas sweats a lot. Man, look at this ice cream stain on the side. You notice how bad Thomas's shirt is and just how faulty it is, don't you? It's when we compare ourselves with what true white looks like, of what perfection can be, that we start realizing our own faults and our own failures and our own struggles. All right, one more. You guys have done great. All right, what color is this? Red, that's right. No one in their right mind would ever claim that this is a white shirt, right? No one would have that idea. You'd have to be blind to consider this to be a white shirt. Here's the problem. In our scriptures, we're seeing that we're blind. We're going through our lives not realizing just how far away from the perfect true white that we really should be. We think, oh, maybe I'm just a little off-white. Maybe I'm just that old shirt that needs just a really good cleaning, right? No, we're a completely different color. Look at our scriptures again. Look at one of the, the benefits that we just read through. The commandments of the Lord is pure, a pure white shirt, but it enlightens the eyes 
If our eyes could see clearly by themselves, they would not be in need of enlightening. This is why David cries out, who can discern his errors? Who can, in, in, their right, in the right perspective, realize the sin and depravity of themselves all on their own? No, it's when we become familiar with God through nature and through his word that we start to realize we are lost. And it's when we take time to see God in nature and look into the law of the Lord, we see that we are so far away from the white shirt that we desire to be. And this is so concerning that the author immediately goes into a time of repentance. Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Let my sin not have dominion over me. Notice how there is no clear answer for him other than to seek help from the perfect source, from the pure source, from God himself. He isn't bargaining with God saying, hey, look at this section of my life, that's pretty white, or, or look at this, I, I'm doing okay here. No, he speaks directly into God's mercy and grace. It is only God who's able to declare him innocent. And it's only God who can have dominion over his life um, from his life of sin. So we see God and we notice him in general revelation. We hear him speak and we understand him through special revelation, which is God's word. But it is in incarnational revelation that we get to see God face to face and find the answer to how can I become clean? The most perfect proclamation of God to humans is Jesus Christ himself. It is in Jesus that we see the full revelation of God himself. God whispers in creation. He speaks through his word, but he shouts in the life of Jesus. Jesus claims himself, if you knew me, you would know my father also in John chapter 8. Jesus is the best way for us to know God. And as the author asks to be declared innocence, he's not given the means on how that's made possible. Fortunately for us, we're able to see that God made a choice to make his word become flesh. As we learn in John chapter 1, that the word became flesh and, and came down to us. He made himself human. He moved into the neighborhood and became one of us. And that God made himself plainly clear in the life of Jesus Christ. And it is through that perfect life that Jesus chose to die a death that he did not deserve to die, but to conquer death through his death and resurrection, that we get the opportunity to, again, be declared innocent from our own faults and failures. So we see, again, God in creation. We experience him through God's word, and we see the fulfillment of our experience of God by receiving unbelievable grace in the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, for me, as, as we close, I think through this and I think of my work and my work in the IT world and working with users and technology. Now, I've, I've worked in technology now for, for quite some time and there's a giant plethora of people on a scale of their technology savviness and ability to use technology well. I've had experiences where people really, really struggle 
with technology at any level. And then we have some people that are so much further along, even from me, that I'm supposed to be assisting, that they just are able to blaze through some and do some amazing things with computers and technology. And I, I tell you, I, I'm, part of my responsibilities is helping users when problems arise, when there's issues and when there's uh, concerns. And let me tell you, can I, the worst problem that for me to deal with, you would think it's be, the, be those people that, man, they look at computers and it might as well be rocks. But, they, but that's not honestly the people that it's the worst to deal with because usually those people who are not technology savvy know that about themselves and are willing to say, Thomas, I got no idea what's going on here. What should I do? You know, the, the worst are the people who think that they know what they're doing and they know what the problem is and they try to fix it themselves and end up creating a bigger mess that we have to clean up. I know I'm sure plenty of you in your own fields, in your own specialties, know exactly how that experience is when somebody thinks that they know what they're doing and it creates a bigger problem than what they actually had. When we look at the story here of the psalm, David tries to make it clear that he, does, he wants to be aware that there are some sins that he doesn't even know about himself. He wants to be aware that God reveal to me my hidden faults. I love that he makes that comment that make us recognize that there are things that we may not be clear about, even about ourselves. I wish that I had the right perspective on myself all the time. But the great thing is, is that when we dive into God's word and we seek that wisdom that it talked about, that we get that opportunity for God to reveal it in our own lives. The question is, are we willing to? And I, I, I want to close with just with that last verse is when we choose to let God speak to us through nature, through creation, and through his word and through his son Jesus, we can honestly say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When Jesus becomes your redeemer, it gives us the opportunity to be a pleasing aroma, to be something that would be acceptable in the sight of God. And I can't wait to continue in my own journey to be more acceptable, to be more pleasing, that my thoughts become more like his. May your thoughts, may your heart be more like his today. Let's pray.